take our Bible this morning and go over to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12 today. Hebrews 12. Probably for a month I have had this message uh, on my mind. Um, thought about preaching it a couple weeks ago. I didn't feel led to do that. And I've preached on this subject several times over the years, Uh, probably over 20 years I've preached on this subject. And so when I sat down to study and look over it, I tried to argue with the Lord about these people's heard this, but I really believe this is what God would want us to preach today. Hebrews chapter 12, I ask you to stand, Hebrews 12. Somebody remind me before we leave, we'll probably say the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag before we leave today. Hebrews 12, I want us to begin to read in verse 14. Hebrews 12 and verse 14. And the Bible says, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. You can be seated. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Uh, We thank you for this wonderful day that you have given us. Uh, Thank you for the freedom that we celebrate uh, this week, Lord, to live in a free country. And it seems like our freedoms are uh, quickly seem to be being taken away from us. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would ever keep us free. And we are free in you, and I thank you for that today. I thank you for saving us and keeping us. I ask today that if there's one that has a need, I pray that you would deal with hearts and work in hearts and, Lord, do something for these people that I cannot do. Lord, I'm going to do my best to do my job, but I pray that the Holy Spirit would have good liberty while we preach. I ask for good liberty while we preach today. Lord, don't let me preach just in myself, but I do ask and that for a touch and that from heaven. And I pray that you'd help us. I pray you'd anoint us afresh today. Lord, we're looking for you to do something. If there's somebody here lost, I pray you'd save them. I pray you'd help that one that has a need. Hinder Satan from this service and let folk be very attentive that this message might help them. We sure do love you and thank you for Calvary. For all this in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Uh, when I pray, and I want you to understand the heart of your pastor, uh, when I really ask for God to do something in your life, I really want Him to do something. Uh, I don't want to come in here and you all just say, well, He preached a good message and we go home and you leave no different than what you came in. That's a waste of time. I'm just being honest. If you can't leave better than what you come in, and, and, and sometimes it's not your fault, sometimes it's my fault. 
I'm not minding God as I should. But I was thinking about that this morning, that that is a repetitive prayer that I pray sometimes. Uh, Even at my home, I pray that God would just help me uh, to preach and to pastor the way that I need to. You look in Hebrews 12, now you look in this whole chapter, you'll find out that it starts out talking about the writer did to lay aside every weight and sin that so easily beset us and let us run the race with patience. You look a few verses later, it reminds us of what Christ uh, done for us, how he went to Calvary. And so when we get wearied and faint in our minds, we are reminded of him and what he done for us. And so that should keep us from being wearied and wanting to quit. Uh, we know over there that in the book of Galatians, I believe the apostle Paul tells us, and let us not be weary and well doing, for we shall reap what was it if we faint not. Uh, And so we come on down through the rest of the chapter. He talks about the chastening uh, hands of God and the hand of God. Uh, In the verses that I read, he talks about the exhortation uh, uh, and that to our good conduct and how we should live. Uh, And in the latter part of the chapter, he talks about the old covenant uh, versus the new covenant and Christ being uh, uh, the mediator of the new covenant. But in what I read deals primarily, uh, and that in verse 15 is what I want to look at, to deal with bitterness. Uh, To deal with bitterness, you can label this however you want to, uh, uh, a life full of bitterness, root of bitterness, uh, uh, dealing with bitterness however you want to look at that. Uh, But the writer deals with bitterness. Uh, He starts out talking about follow peace with all men, uh, and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. He said, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Can I tell you that bitterness most of the time, when it slips into our heart and into our life, is dealing with people. I want you to listen to me the best that you can because I'm hoping to save you some heartache and hoping if you've got heartache because of this, you'll get right with God. Uh, Because you can live bitter all your life if you want to, but you're miserable and you ain't serving God like you should. Amen. And I want you to get this. I want you to understand that bitterness generally deals with people. Whether it is with people around you or whether it is with the God of heaven that you've got bitter at, for whatever reason, it deals with one of those two people. If you go to the book of Ephesians chapter 4, how the Bible said Paul did, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Now when we talk about these verses, we know that verse 32 deals with each other. Because he says, and be kind one to another. But do you realize that verse 31 deals with how we respond to one another and to each other? 
He starts out in the very first thing in that verse and said, let all bitterness. Right? Let all bitterness. What is the company of bitterness? It is wrath and anger and clamor. That's running off at the mouth. And evil speak and be put away from you with all malice. Malice scares me. Do you know why malice scares me? Because malice uh, uh, has the intent to hurt somebody for revenge. It's not, it's not only that you're angry with them or you're bitter at them uh, or, or you're talking about them, but malice, you're going to get even with them. And it all starts, I believe, with bitterness uh, uh, in the heart. And until you deal with the bitterness that is there for whatever reason, you're never going to go forward. I want you to hear me today. Because here's the thing about bitterness. Non, can I say non-bitter people? They can look at bitter people and see it. Did you know that? Did you know that if you're bitter... You wear it. You wear it. You wear. You don't think you are. But you wear your bitterness. And people see it. You say, preacher, do you got something I don't got? No, I'm just going to be honest with you. I've I've talked to way too many people. And and it's funny. And they'll point. I don't even have to say anything. Somebody else will say it. Man, they're bitter at that, ain't they? I remember years ago we ate out with a preacher and his wife and he was bitter. Man, he was bitter about some things that had happened to him. He was mad. He was angry. And to be honest with you, he might have should have been angry about some things, but it had made him bitter. And I remember he got up from that table to go wash his hands at the restroom before we ate uh, and his wife looked at us and she said, he's not bitter. Yeah, he was. I hate to disagree with her, but he was very bitter at the situation that had happened. I'm not saying he shouldn't have been angry, but what it had done is it had consumed him and overtook his life. Sometimes it's hard when we become bitter for us to see it. But boy, everybody else sure does. The best thing for me and you to do is not to get bitter. Well, that's easier said than done, ain't it? It is. Proverbs chapter 19 says, The discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. You know what that means? You may just have to let some things go. It ain't never going to fix itself. You may not ever be able to fix it. I'm going to deal with that here in a minute. Uh, but sometimes you just it's your discretion to let it go. So well, it's not in my demeanor or in my attitude or in my nature to let something go. Then you're going to live bitter the rest of your life. I, I, I'm just going to be honest with you. Because if you want to have a good... Because there's some things you cannot fix. You cannot change some people's mind. You can't change their mind. You cannot make them apologize to you. You cannot make them get right with you. Uh, And until you let that thing go, it's going to eat you alive. A couple, three things I want to look at about what bitterness, about a life full of bitterness. 
He said, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. What is bitterness? It's defined, the word bitter is defined many times as sharp or biting to the taste. I think we've all ate something that is very bitter. Uh, it's sharp and cruel and severe, such as a uh, bitter uh, wind or a uh, bitter uh, uh, cold, if I could say that. Uh, how many of us has ever in the wintertime said, boy, it's bitterly cold out there. It just bites on you, you know. Uh, sharp as words, as they have bitter words, or sharp to the feeling as piercing and painful or painful to the mind. Very hurtful or mournful or distressing. The word bitterness, which comes from bitter, Webster, Noel Webster actually said this, in a figurative sense, it is extreme enmity, a grudge, or hatred. How many of us has ever held a grudge? Why would we hold a grudge? He said, well, they, it's their fault. Yeah, but why are we holding a grudge? You, you, you know, why, why, why do we hate somebody? You know, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as uh, uh, God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. I'm talking about church people this morning. I, I'm not talking about dealing with lost people. And by the way, I, I, you were to probably give a little more leeway to lost people than you should uh, save people. Save people ought to know better about some things uh, uh, when lost people don't know no better. Brother Jeff told me a story about a lady they run into up in, uh, up in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Me and her, I, I told him, I said, me and her would have had some words. And I had to repent for the way that I was thinking, Brother Jeff, after that story you told me. I, I did, because, man, I was already giving her a piece of my mind. But I don't know her spiritual condition, you see. See, sometimes people's spiritual condition shines out on how they act toward us sometimes. You know, Jesus said, you know, if the world hates you, know that it hated me first. Uh, you know, despisers of them, those that are good. And so, uh, you know, it's the world, I give them a lot more leeway a lot of times, or we should give them a lot more leeway than we even should us. But he said it's a grudge. It's a keen sorrow or a painful Affliction. Can I tell you this morning that as God's people, we should be very sweet people. You know, bitterness is the opposite of sweet. I mean, is that not what the Bible talked about in the book of Isaiah chapter 5, putting sweet for bitter, bitter for sweet, and those things? Why? Because they're the opposite of each other. I'm not going to tell you that you're going to smile every day and that you're going to have, that you're just always going to be joyful every day. Although on the inside, there ought to be a joy that the world cannot take away from you. Amen. Amen. There ought to be something on the inside. I understand that there are bad times, and I'm going to deal with that here in a minute. Uh, but, but we should not, listen to me, we should not be bitter people. You say, well, what happens if somebody does me wrong? Then deal with it. I'll get to earn a minute. Uh, well, let me say this in dealing with bitterness. Dealing with bitterness, you do have to deal with it. 
Just let me park right here for a minute. You know what the scripture said over in the book of Matthew chapter 18? If you've got an ought against your brother, he said go to that brother. As a matter of fact, let's look at that. Take your Bible and go to the book of Matthew uh, chapter 18. Look with me right here. Matthew 18. Uh, and, and he gives us instruction on how to deal with this thing. Uh, Matthew 18. Uh, let's look in, uh, is it Matthew 8? Not Matthew 5. I don't know why I was parking in Matthew 5. It ain't going to read the same. Matthew 18, verse 15. Maybe I knew there was a 5 in that somewhere. Matthew 18, 15. It said, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. So you've got to go deal with it. Well, now I don't, I don't want to confront anybody, preacher. Well, then, you're going to, you're, then, then you've got a couple options right there. If you don't want to confront them about what's happened, then you either let it go, or if it's, not, if it's not enough to go and talk to somebody. And let me say this. I know that some of you all in this church has done that. And I've made mention of that over the years that you, somebody has, uh, you, 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 you believe they done you wrong and maybe they did do you wrong. I don't know the whole story. So I, I, I try to stay out of that. But, but you felt like they done you wrong. You know what you done? You went and talked to them. And, and what I have learned that 95, 99, even 95% of the time, they don't even know they've done anything wrong to offend you. Can I say this? If you look, I believe it is, is in the book of Matthew in one spot that if you know that your brother has an altar against you, you come to the altar to, to give your gift. He, he said, and you, and you go to pray and give your gift. And he said, you know that your brother has an altar against you. He said, leave your gift at the altar and then go be reconciled unto your brother and then come back and give your gift. You, you, it's, like, it's like a preacher friend of mine told me one time. Uh, he said, I was running late for a meeting and it was a camp style meeting. And uh, he said, preaching had already started. And uh, he said, as I was coming in, one of my preacher friends was going out. And he said, man, he was red faced. And, uh, and he, I asked him how he was doing and what he was doing. He said, I've got to go home and take care of some things. He'd got in there and got under preaching. And God dealt with his heart. And you know what he done? He left the meeting uh, to go take care of what needed to be took care of. If you know that a brother's got, that you've got an ought against your brother or your brother's got an ought against you, you ought to get up in the middle of this preaching uh, and go take care of it. Amen. That's right. I'm just going to be honest. Then you come back and Brother Powell preached to us tonight. A good message. Amen. Preacher, why are you so wound up on me? Because I see bitterness in people's lives and it's destroying them and it'll destroy churches. It destroys homes and marriages and families because of bitterness. Bitterness. And it just does what? What did the writer say? Looking diligent, lest any man fail the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up. Bitterness starts out head. How does a root get started? Starts from a seed, don't it? Something little takes place. Something gets planted into the heart. Why do you think he said, and be tender hearted, forgiving one another? 
Because if you're hard-hearted, you won't forgive one another. If I'm hard-hearted, I won't forgive like I need to. It starts out as a root, and and, and that seed that has been planted, uh, for it to grow, uh, must be watered, uh, uh, must be cultivated, uh, uh, and must be took care of. And that's what people in bitterness do. They take care of their bitterness. They want to be bitter. He said, well, preacher, why do you say they want to be bitter? Because if they wanted to get right, they could. I mean, ain't that... I mean, people that stay in sin, they do it because they want to. God will welcome them back. God will take them back. Prodigal Son shows us that in the book of Luke over there. All you have to do is come back home and, uh, and just come and repent and get right with God and say, I'm sorry. And you know what God will do? He'll fix it every time. But bitterness starts out hid. And after a while, it, it begins to come forth and you have to hide it even more. You remember how I told you people begin to see it? That thing gets hard to hide after a while. It springs up. Is that not what he said? Look and do it lest any man fail the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up. It springs, it springs forth. Just like that plant, just like that piece of corn, just like that grass, just like that flower you planted, uh, and it starts out little, uh, it starts out tender, and that's the best time to get it when it's little and tender. It's the best time to snatch it out and take care of it. It's the easiest to get rid of right there. But boy, once that thing roots out, it's hard to, it's hard to get out of the ground, ain't it? You know a dandelion no bigger than it grows on top of the ground can have a root that's three feet deep? Just an old weed that don't belong there, but that thing's rooted three feet. Or can be rooted three feet. That's what happens to bitterness in our life. It gets in there. We become angry for whatever has happened, whatever we think has happened. Can I, can I park here for just a minute and say sometimes uh, people did not mean what you think they meant. Sometimes you took it the wrong way. Sometimes they said it the wrong way. Can I ask y'all something? Have you ever said anything the wrong way? I'm not mean or ugly or, or anything, but, but I mean, it, it, you, you, you were honest in what you were asking. It just come out wrong. H- have you ever done that? You know why? Because we're all human. We've all got problems. We, we, we've all got problems. And we've all said things wrong. We've all let words come out that, that, that boy, when, when they're coming, I'll tell you for me, they're coming out of my mouth and I'm thinking, man, I can't, I can't stop them. Here they come. <laughs> But we need to be very careful with what we say. But the thing about bitterness is it makes people miserable. And misery loves company. Bitter people like to be around other people just like them. Or they try to make you just like them. You ever been around people that complains all the time? I mean, they ain't ever have nothing good to say. Nothing. I mean, they, 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 nothing is good for them. They're the only ones getting it done. I got a friend like that. He is the only one on this whole planet that works. <laughs> you talk to him, that's what you perceive when you talk to him. 
The company that he works for, even though they, they employ, I know, hundreds upon hundreds of people, but he's the only one in that facility that works. <laughs> I'm serious. Although they're turning out them products left and right. And I reckon he must be like Bugs Bunny when Bugs Bunny played baseball, you know. He was there, here, and everywhere, pitching and catching and all that. He must have been doing all the work up there where he works at. See, it's funny to look at and to think about sometimes. But man, that's got to be a miserable way to live. Misery loves company. Bitter people loves for other people to be bitter because you share in their misery. Bitter people would rather drag people down to them as them to get right and fix their relationship between them and their brother, or between them and God. But why do we get bitter? Bitterness is a place in the heart. Bitterness is, is something that deals in the heart, that's planted in the heart, uh, that, that, that it shines out, if I can say that, on us. It is that grudge or that hatred or that anger that drives us uh, toward a malicious behavior, if we could... And if we could get even with somebody, we would. Genesis chapter 27, the Bible says, you know, the very first mention of bitterness in the Bible has to deal with Esau. The Bible said that he went out uh, uh, and and he was bitter about what had happened to him. You can go back uh, and and you can see that uh, in the book of Genesis chapter 27. The Bible said, And Esau heard the words of his father. He cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry uh, and said unto his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. That's after Jacob stole his blessing. You remember that? Jacob uh, got his birthright, but then Jacob got his blessing too. You remember that? You read a few verses later, Genesis chapter 27, the Bible said, And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, now notice where it's at, The days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then I will slay my brother Jacob. Now, take your Bible and go over the book of Genesis chapter 27. I want to show you something. Genesis 27, we need to read this because I want you to get the idea of what's taken place. Y'all understand what's happened. Most of you should. Uh, Jacob has stole his blessing. Uh, He said in his heart uh, in verse 41 uh, that uh, he's going to kill Jacob. It's been in his heart. Let me find it here, verse 41. Somebody's tore it out of my Bible. Here it is. Look in verse 42. And these words of Esau, her elder son, were told to Rebekah. Now wait a minute. He said them in his heart. But somewhere, he said them out of his mouth. Because now they, they, they went and told his mama, Rebecca, and by the way, she wasn't innocent in all this, That's right. said Esau's going to kill Jacob. 
So they send him down, they take Jacob and send him down uh, to Laban's house, to her brother's house, to get him away from his brother Esau. Look in in chapter 28. I'm talking about bitterness in the heart, you see. Look in verse 28, or chapter 28. Look in verse 5. And Isaac sent away Jacob, and he went to Padanaram, unto Laban, son of Bethuel, uh, the Syrian, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob's and Esau's mother. Now look at verse 6. When Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padanaram to take him a wife of fence, uh, and that he was, and that he blessed him, he gave him charge, saying, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. They didn't want him to marry the Canaanites. And that Jacob obeyed his father and his mother and was gone to Padanaram. And Esau, seeing that the daughters of Canaan pleased not Isaac his father, then went Esau into Ishmael and took unto, uh, unto the wives which he had, uh, 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 Mahatli, uh, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nebuchadnezzar, to be his wife. Do, do you see what happened right there? Esau was so bitter and so mad and angry, despite his mother and his father, he married the Canaanites. (laughs) Despite them. I mean, is that not what you see right there? That's what I read. That's how I read my Bible. What did he say? And Esau, seeing that the daughters of Canaan pleased not Isaac, his father, then when Esau and Ishmael, he's talking about the Canaanites right there. The Ishmaelites, the Canaanites. And because that it was going to displease Jacob or displease uh, Isaac, he went and He's bitter, ain't he? So he begins to do something to be spiteful. That's what bitter people do. They do things to be spiteful. In their words, they want to hurt people. Should Christians be that way? It took me a long time. I was always one of them people, especially back in my uh, late teenage years and 20s and probably even in my early 30s, uh, that when I worked a public job, that if they wanted to change something, I'd argue with them tooth and nail. We've always done it this way. (laughs) And you almost feel like they're out to get you because they're wanting to change something. Even though it might make things better for you, it might make it easier on you, It'll make it better for the company. They can make more money, not pay you no more. But anyway, if they make it easier on you, it's all right. Not everything everybody tells you is they're out to get you. People think, I'm going to tell you, some of you all, I better be careful. I think some people sometimes think I'm out to get them. But what I preach, I ain't out to get you. I'm out to help you. Why do you think I preach the way I preach? Why do you think that I preach what I'm preaching this morning? It'd be real easy for me to preach on independence and we'll shout it down and go to the house, man. Jacob hated Esau. I believe that he was... uh, uh, Esau hated Jacob, excuse me. Uh, Esau hated Jacob. He was bitter at his daddy uh, for what he'd done and he was going to take it out on him uh, if he could. We get bitter because of what some people have said and because of what some people have done. We perceive sometimes. Sometimes they have... Can I park right here? 
Can I, just let me part. Sometimes people have done you wrong. Okay? They've done you wrong. There's no argument that they've done you wrong. They said wrong. They did wrong. They shouldn't have done what they did. But nonetheless, they did. And now it's your choice as to how you're going to react. Why do you think in the book of Colossians that the Apostle Paul told us husbands, he said, husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. I was talking to a fellow the other day and we were, I was telling him what I was uh, preaching and teaching on Sunday nights on the home and husbands and wives talking about marriage right now. And he made this statement. He said, boy, I'll tell you, sometimes in marriage you just got to take the high road. <laughs> I thought, boy, that's right. You do just got to take the high road. And you know, in living for Christ, sometimes you just got to take the high road. And if you are not able to take the high road, then go deal with the problem. The problem where bitterness stems from, and I know I'm being repetitive, but I just, I don't think people get it or see the seriousness or want to fix it, is if you don't fix it, it ain't going to get fixed. You're going to be bitter. Uh, You're going to live it out in your family. Your family knows you're bitter. Your family knows what you need to do. Your preacher probably knows what you need to do. But you just won't do it. Parents with children, children with parents. People get bitter at their neighbors. People they work with. And people get bitter with God's people. We get bitter with each other. Shame on us. We ought to have enough about us to at least be able to go to each other and say, hey, right here, we've got a problem right here and me and you need to try to fix this. And I have been guilty of, of procrastinating and putting stuff off, not that I've become bitter, but put stuff off that ought to have been dealt with uh, within a day or two or a week or two uh, and, and it just creates problems. The longer you let that thing rock on, the more it gets rooted. That's a different message for a different. Sometimes people get bitter at God for what He's done or for what they perceive He's done. They get angry at God because life has not turned out the way they think it ought to turn out. Can can I stop for just a second? And and I'll just tell you, I'm only 48 years old. That's old to some and a lot young to others. You got, when I go over there to the nursing home and they ask me, Preacher, how old are you? I'm 48. And I'm standing there and talking to somebody that's 90 and 95 years old. They say, well, you're just young. But I, I talked to Hunter over here and he says, man, Preacher, you're old. You know. Age is only a perspective of who you're talking to, by the way. Whether you're old or young or not. But I've lived enough to know that life ain't going to go the way you want it to. Not always. There's bumps in the road. There's hills to climb. But God's with us all the way if you say. 
We're studying Job on Wednesday night and you'll find that he makes a great statement where he said man is born a woman is a few days and full of trouble. You can go look in 1 Samuel chapter 7 or 1 Samuel 1 and you'll find a lady by the name of Hannah over there uh, whose womb was shut up. She could not have any children. But when she went to go pray, you know what she was doing? She was praying in bitterness of soul. That thing had ate her lunch for a long time. You ought to go over and read about her life, about Hannah. I love the story of Hannah. Because I think at one time or another some of us have been where she's at as far as in your heart and in your mind. Not necessarily what she's went through, but in, in your heart and in your mind. And, and, and can become bitter. And, and by the way, Panina, which was Elkanah's other wife, man, she, she, was, she was her adversary. And I mean, she was just making it worse. You know, as God's people, if we know that somebody's bitter, we shouldn't make it worse. We can make it worse because we can feed that thing. We can feed it. We, we, we can make it worse. And, and if we know that somebody's bitter, and if we ain't careful, we'll join in with them. You know, why, why do you think that, that he tells us uh, not, not to be around an angry man? Lest thou learn his ways and in a snare unto ye so. So how do we deal with bitterness? First of all, to deal with bitterness, he said, Look in diligence, lest any man fail of the grace of God. We have to understand that we have failed of the grace of God, but we have to look diligently. That is something that, that I do not like to do. It's easier for me to tell you what's wrong with you than it is for me to tell me what's wrong with me. I'm just being honest. Uh... I do sit in my study and talk to the Lord about what's going on in my heart and in my life that I do want it to be right with Him. I tell Him that all the time. Lord, I, I, if there's something there that I need to fix, you tell me what I need to fix. You point it out to me. You shine light on it and let me fix it. But how do we deal with bitterness? We deal with it through the grace of God. Now only God can give you the grace whether you have been intentionally wronged, accidentally wronged, or you have just perceived that you have been wronged, only God can give you the grace to get through that. You know, what, what did Hannah do? I believe Hannah was, she was bitter at the situation she was in. She was bitter at Penina over there because of what she was doing and what she was saying. And there's a little bit of me that even thinks she was probably bitter at Elkanah because what he come down there and asked her? You know what he asked her? She sat over here weeping and crying because she ain't got no children. And he had the nerve to ask her and said, Am I better to you than ten sons? That's what he asked her. Man, that was a dumb question. Not that day. He might have been better to her than ten sons, but not that day. And I almost wonder if she wasn't a little bitter to him too. I know I'm reading some things into it. I get that. I understand that. But the one thing I've learned about Bible people, people in the Bible, they were just people. I mean, the Bible tells us that Elijah was a man of like passions as we are. 
You know what that means? He was living in the same flesh that me and you're living in. And so was everybody else except the Lord Jesus Christ. And He was still living in the same flesh that me and you're living in except He done it perfect. You realize that, that Jesus was in the same body that me and you're in, but He would done it with perfection. Now think about that. He lived it right he, he, he never had a... I don't, believe the man, I don't believe the man Jesus Christ ever had a bad thought. I don't. Don't know how that works. Don't know how that happened. But I do believe that he was perfect and still is perfect. I mean, that's why the Bible says, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. That is a mystery. Now stay with me. I know what time it is. What did Hannah do? What did Hannah do? The very first thing Hannah done is she finally just went and talked to the Lord and found some grace. You know what you need to do? You're going to have to talk to the Lord about this thing. And and you're probably going to have to apologize to the Lord about this thing. You say, well, it ain't my fault for what happened. No, it ain't your fault necessarily for what happened, but it is your fault for the way that you let your heart get. You've got to dig out the root. There's where we get into trouble at. People sit on a church bench and they hear me preach a message like this and they know they're bitter and they know what they need to do but they just ain't going to do it. Dig out the root by the grace of God. He said... To do what? Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. And if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. You've got to go deal with it. You've got to have enough discretion to look over it. You're either going to have to look over it or you're going to have to deal with it. But you can't go on and live in it because you're going to be miserable. We get angry with people sometimes and sometimes it may be justified. because of something they've done to us or to our family. But what happens is we fail of the grace of God. The ability to look over a sin, to let something go, the ability to let God apply it to our heart, the ability to forgive somebody, even when they didn't ask for it. Where he said, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. We have been forgiven because of Christ. He said, follow peace with all men, and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Look in diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. And that's what it does to us. It defiles us. He said, Preacher, I'm not dealing with bitterness. Good. Then let it be a warning to us not to get into bitterness. Because I'm going to tell you, you're going to be miserable if you do. I I, I know a lady one time 
She, she done exactly in Matthew chapter 5 what needed to be done. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar and remember that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. I, I, I know that she done that. Not, not that she had done anything wrong, but the person that had the alt had perceived that something had happened wrong. Sometimes if, if we know somebody has perceived something wrong, or, or we didn't mean what we said, or, or the way they took it. Let, let me say this as, as I close. We cannot make people do right or think right. But we can live our life right for the Lord. And you've got the discretion to let that thing go and go on and serve Jesus. I had a preacher tell me one time, we were standing back there in the back of the church, and he had been through trouble probably more than once. And... We, we talked about a few things and, and we talked about another preacher who had been through trouble and he said, but he always, this other preacher always chose to focus on the bad times. And here's what that other preacher back there stood and told me. He said, but I have always chose to focus on the good times. And I thought, that's why you're still going and why you're still making it. Because he chose to focus on the good times about what God was doing instead of becoming bitter toward a church, but toward people, and toward one another. Let's bow our heads this morning if we would.